0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Decision New York twenty eighteen. My name is Rich Lee. I'm an associate professor at St. Bonaventure University. And this is the third in our podcast um, featuring students from an honors class studying um, New York's twenty eighteen gubernatorial election. For today's podcast, I'm joined by Jean Carlos Aponte, Samantha Garrison, Isabel Barbera, and Jaya Mangano. Thank you all for joining me and um, I'm going to um, talk about one of the issues predominantly today, and um, Quinnipiac University did a poll which came out on October 18th, and one of the questions they asked in addition to asking who they favored for governor was what issue um, is going to be most important to you in deciding how you're going to cast your vote, and healthcare came out on top. We Re- received 17 percent, which isn't a lot, you know, there's a lot of other issues in there, but it was a top issue that voters identified, so thought we would spend, you know, today's podcast kind of exploring health care, where it stands in the campaign. Um, so, Jaya, why, uh, why do you think health care is the most important concern for New York voters?
2: So, I think health care is the most important concern because most people do need health care or some form of medical support at some point in their life. And one of the issues coming up in New York State and the U.S. is that there isn't enough health care coverage, insurance is too high, and as a result, some people are left with insanely high medical bills, and it just kind of forms a cycle of poverty. In addition, I was reading some articles saying that Medicare is costing more and more money, and there has been some speculations that Medicare might actually go broke. Um, furthermore, these days there's more talk about helping people with pre-existing conditions as there's discrimination, and also the opi- opioid crisis has come into play more and more, especially this month.
1: Yeah, so a whole lot of issues out there, and I, like you said, it's an issue not just in, in New York. Um, mm-hmm. that and, and um, you know, Gene Carlos, what are your thoughts on you know why this you know came out as yeah. most pressing issue for New York voters? Um, I think um, healthcare
3: care is like, a big issue, especially for those um, low-income families that um, are not able to afford um, health care. And I feel that, um, like, you know, hospitals are like, very expensive for them to even afford. Um, and I think that also leads to many of them not having the care and the treatment they need and also leads to, like, um, death um, because they're not having that insurance
1: um, that's going to help them cover for it. Yeah, definitely affordability is a big issue, I, I think, with everybody in addition to these others. Um, early in the semester, um, I asked you know all the students to kind of brainstorm what are the most important issues to you because the issues of importance to people who are college age might be different from the general population, and healthcare was one of those. So, Isabel, like, why is that important to someone your age?
0: Um, I would say that healthcare is extremely important to someone my age, especially being a woman. Because I know recently there have been a lot of, lots of talk about reproductive rights and affordable birth control, safe abortion. And I think that in this day and age, equal rights and equal protection of those rights under health care should be mandated. Okay And Sam. What
1: do you think? Yeah, going,
4: <clears throat> going off of that, I think women's health is not only an issue politically right now, but it's like a social movement over. you see it over social media all the time now, and going um, in a different direction, mental health was another one of the issues we were talking about as a class that was important to us, and I think it's because um, there's a growing recognition that there's a stigma in society of mental health, so if we make mental health treatments more affordable, then more people will be willing to get help for mental health, and that will ultimately decrease the stigma, so again, overall, I think our age of people are, we're so social media aware, and these issues are showing up all over the media, Um, therefore, like, creating a movement with both of them, it's
1: not just a political issue. Um, And, yeah, the question just um, listed a bunch of topics, and one just said healthcare, and as we've seen from our discussion so far, there's so many different facets of healthcare that are important to people. Um, What are the candidates, you know, talking about in terms of healthcare? Go ahead, Jake okay. Um,
3: so for like Andrew Cuomo, he really um, believes in um, the Affordable Care Act. So he wants um, health care for everyone because he believes it's a right and not a privilege. And that, um, and then um, Montenegro, he's trying to like um, veto it if he does become governor, um, because right now health care is like a privatized and it's like controlled by other businesses. So he doesn't believe Montenegro doesn't believe that um, a government a governor should um, control the healthcare system, and I know that I've been um, reading. He does say that um, of the state of New York can run
1: the public system in the city, so he believes it's not safe or fair for a governor to control. The okay, gotcha. Where, where do you think the candidates fit in in terms of you know, you know, getting it with your issues? Or are they talking about the same issues that are concerned to you, Jaya?
2: Uh, yes, I think especially looking at Governor Cuomo's website, he definitely does place an emphasis on women's rights. So, for example, he announced nearly $3 million in grants for breast cancer research. Also, he has implemented the most comprehensive paid family leave and then the sexual assault policy as well as um, limiting the, the wage gap. So I think he definitely, um, the issues he was focusing on also stood by what our class believed in. Um, on on top of that, there, he has the hashtag Combat Heroin, so he's been working on combating heroin and opioid abuse as well as um, helping the homeless population. In terms of what Molinero has been saying, I unfortunately wasn't able to find too much on the website other than uh, what Gene Carlos was saying that he would like to veto the senior payer care system if, it's elect- if he's elected. Okay. Anyone
1: else? Sam, what do you think? Is- are they talking about the same things that are of concern to you? Um,
4: they're not, especially while narrow, they're not talking about many specifics, um, but they are just talking about the general issue of insurance being too high. Um, so, again, they're not talking about specifics, but it's the um, affordability of it all is the main reason behind both mental health and women's health. So I think that's relevant in that sense.
1: Okay. And, and Isabel, you, know, you talked about all the women's issues and why they're so important to you. How much of a factor do you think they're going to be when people cast their vote? Is that you know, going to be a make it or break it thing, or is it going to be one of many factors that people consider?
0: I think it could be a make it or break it thing, but I think that when it comes down to the deciding vote, people are going to vote based off their political parties, and I don't think that the very specific standings of Molinaro and Cuomo will pay as much of a toll as Cuomo's health care um, standings are more democratic. He wants to um, Medicare for all, things like that, while Molinaro does not agree with that, and he says he's veto bills like that. Um, because when you look at it, Cuomo and Molinaro both address the opioid crisis. They both address women's rights. They both address things like that. But I really think that it's just going to come to the stigmatization party. parties.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's pretty clear on this and other issues as we have discussed them that, you know, Cuomo has a pretty standard position with that most Democrats do and Molinaro does, most Republicans, so it kind of comes down to, to those choices in addition to the individuals, however people feel ideologically. So I want to switch to um, another part of that um, poll, which, you know, most polls, you know, they look at favorability numbers and, you know, not surprisingly, when they went head to head, Cuomo was ahead by, I think, like 23 points, But there's some interesting things that, you know, the four of you picked up in looking at their favorability numbers. And and Jada, you thought the most significant statistic to emerge was the percent of voters who think Cuomo's unfavorable, yet Mm -hmm. they're still going to vote for him anyway. Can you kind of talk about why you found that point so interesting?
2: Yeah. So basically what I found was that 40% of likely voters were considered to have an unfavorable opinion of Cuomo However, at the same time, approximately 58% of voters actually would lean towards voting for Cuomo. So I did think it was interesting, because I think that Cuomo's decisions as governor has potentially increased the number of people who've had an unfavorable opinion of him. So for example, um, the Buffalo Billion Project and Joe Prococo being sent to prison, I personally think that this probably had an effect on people's opinions of him, in terms of whether they viewed him as favorable or unfavorable. However, it seems that it hasn't really translated it too much into the person who's actually voting as if he is currently leading the election, meaning that corruption most likely isn't impacting voters as much as we
0: might think.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, when you're in office, especially when you're in office eight years the way Cuomo has, Mm -hmm. you're going to build up those unfavorables because you're going to do things that are going to make people unhappy. Um, Sammy, you picked up, uh, made an interesting observation from that favorability thing that it really wasn't, you know, the fact that Molinaro's favorability numbers were like 28 to 22% Mm -hmm. that were so important, but that meant something else. Can you talk about that?
4: Yeah, so again, Molinaro's uh, percentage of favorability was 28 to 22, and then Cuomo's was 51 to 40. Uh, I expected this, really, so I was looking deeper into the stats of it all, and I found that 48% of likely voters have not heard enough about Molinaro to form an opinion on his favorability. I think this was the most significant because... The fact that almost half of likely voters don't even uh, know Molinaro that well is a huge deal, uh, especially because Molinaro does not have a lot of money to back himself, so what he could have at least is a name recognition, and the fact that he does he's not establishing that well says a lot. So, again, with less than, what is it, a week and a half from yeah. Election Day, unless he could somehow um, campaign himself, I don't know with what money, but I don't see him even coming close to winning the race.
1: So. Yeah, and that, that point kind of underscores what we've heard from a lot of our speakers who are a lot closer to the race than we are, that, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, you know, Cuomo's been governor eight years. He was attorney general before that. Um, Molinaro is really just starting out. So name recognition, getting that is tough, especially when you don't have the money. But, Isabel, you kind of have a unique perspective on Mark Molinaro, since you're from Dutchess County. And you're not only from Dutchess County, but you said you live not too far from Mark Molinaro.
0: Yeah, it's actually funny. I live uh, two blocks away from him. And so growing up, since he was 18, he's been in government, um, the mayor of Tivoli, New York, which is the next town over from me. So ever since I was born, even, he's been in government close to home for me. And so his name is, I would say, a household name. You know, you go down the street and there's Mark Molinaro signs everywhere. I was home this weekend, and it was weird to come across two consecutive houses where one of them did not have a sign promoting him. Um, and so I just think it's interesting because, like, in Dutchess County, it's a very rural county in New York, and um, his initiatives have improved the way of life. And coming from a very democratic family, even, like, my mother's an immigrant, my father's very democratic, and as a Republican, as his a Republican, they haven't found many issues with him. They, also, they both support him. Um, he's very keen on uh, mental health, disabilities, the opioid crisis, and I just think it's interesting that his campaign, due to lack of funding, is sort of getting um, wiped under the carpet in ways, and not enough people know about the ideas that he brings to the table. Yeah,
1: from your observation, you know, from growing up there, you think he has the tools to be an effective governor?
0: I do. I would say so. Um, as we discussed in class, though, it's very difficult to govern New York, and so when you find someone that has been able to do it and do it well, there's always uh, skepticism going away from the incumbent, but I don't think that uh, Mark Molinero would come in. And
1: yeah, I mean, He has executive experience as a yeah. county executive, yeah. and as part of said, it's a big step up to run a county besides the Duchess County and the whole Okay, um, we have a um, few minutes left, and I just wanted to touch on something which, you know, doesn't directly involve the governor's race, but certainly it's been in the news and on all of our minds. You know, this past weekend we had some really, you know, tragic events. We had a, a man arrested for sending pipe bombs to, you know, a number of Democrats, and um, we also had, you know, a tragic shooting in, in Pittsburgh. So we have about a minute left, so if we can just go around and, you know, just, you know, quickly, you know, share your thoughts that, So, um, Giancarlo, do you want to kick it off? Um, I think I wasn't, like, um, very surprised because there
3: has been um, mass shootings um, recently, especially like with schools, and um, also the hate crimes like what happened in Orlando with the LGBT community. Um, I think I wasn't very um, surprised this happened. I think that um, whoever becomes governor has to, like, really um, focus on gun control. Okay. Sam? Yeah,
4: I was going to say it makes me really angry because I think we need to talk about gun control more. There's obviously nothing's changing. Shootings are still happening. So I think either the governor or the president just needs to step it up when it comes to gun control.
1: Okay, is it out real quickly?
0: Yeah, I agree, but I, I also say I'm not surprised because of the polarization that has occurred and the hate that is running through society today.
1: But, um, J.F., you get the last word, A short last word. No,
0: Yeah, I,
2: I agree with everyone else. And I'm from Canada where it is banned, but there still are um, issues like the ban attack. So I think it's
1: something we should still discuss. Okay. Well, thank you, thank you all for, you know, your conversation and for getting in your, your comments right on deadline. Um, thanks, folks, for listening. You've been listening to a podcast, um, Decision New York 2018 from St. Bonaventure University. My name is Rich Lee. I want to thank our four guests, and we have one more podcast coming up on Wednesday. Please tune in then. Thank you.